0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fox 2 presents
1: Hancock & Kelly. Welcome to Hancock & Kelly here on Fox 2. Happy Sunday to you. On the right, right over here, is John Hancock. Good morning, everyone. He's in his normal spot. The other guy who normally sits here... We have no idea. So that's Braxton Payne again with us. Good to see you, Braxton. Good morning. Welcome. And I'm John Brown. Big story this week. The impeachment proceedings begin this week.
2: House Democrats announcing televised public impeachment hearings will begin on Wednesday, starting with top diplomat to Ukraine Bill Taylor and Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent. Then next Friday, Marie Yovanovitch, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine who was fired by President Trump.
0: Those open hearings will be an opportunity for the American people to evaluate the witnesses for
2: themselves. It comes after House investigators released more than 300 pages of Taylor's testimony from his bombshell deposition, where he revealed it was his clear understanding security assistance money would not come until the president of Ukraine committed to pursue the investigation. Taylor also discussed his concerns with Trump's personal attorney Rudy Giuliani's involvement with Ukraine policy, calling it a nightmare. House Democrats hoping Taylor's public testimony will help shape their abuse of power case against President Trump. If you want an initial hit, someone to describe exactly what took place, I don't know if anyone's better than Ambassador Taylor. Sources telling CNN the White House worries what Taylor will say in public testimony. His earlier deposition was seen as damaging, alleging an explicit quid pro quo with Ukraine, with Trump freezing military aid in exchange for Ukraine announcing investigations against the president's rivals for political gain. Trump's Republican allies continue to change their defenses, including highlighting this part of Kurt Volker's testimony, telling lawmakers, I didn't know that there was a quid pro quo. His account is consistent with the fundamental facts. That there was nothing wrong with the call transcript Other Republicans taking it a step further. What I can tell you about the Trump policy toward the Ukraine, it was incoherent. They seemed to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo. Meantime, The Washington Post this morning reports that Attorney General William Barr rejected a request from the president to hold a news conference, publicly declaring he did not break any laws during his July 25th phone call with Ukraine's leader. Despite the report, some House Democrats still remain cautious of Barr. Perhaps it is a measure that he sees of the gathering storm clouds on
3: the horizon, and he's being just a tad bit cautious here. But frankly, I'm not terribly trusting of Attorney General Barr, so we'll see.
1: All right, good news, bad news, I guess, when you boil all that away. The, the good news is there's no quid pro quo, according to Lindsey Graham. The bad news is you're in, inco- what was the word? Incoherent policy.
3: That's what he said. That's
1: not good. All right, looking ahead to this week, what are you expecting to see?
3: Well, you're going to see, I think, more of the same. So you, you've had, this story's been out now for five or six weeks. The basic facts of the matter, when the, when the original notes from the original call were released, it is what it is. And now you've had all these witnesses behind closed doors saying essentially what happened. Nothing new. There's been no new information in any of this. And what's going to happen in, before the public this week is you're going to have those public testimonies. I think they're going to be contentious, rancorous, Uh, I don't know that the public's going to pay that much attention to it. We'll see. Well, he's
1: exactly right, Braxton. Impeachment numbers here, it used to be a big deal. These polls that have come out show this isn't even resonating with the most Americans. They don't even care about this. Maybe it's because there have been so many controversies that it's like, oh, here's one more but it doesn't seem like the american people really care this time which is strange
0: they've, they've tuned it out for sure and the other thing is is, is you're gonna get the news where you want to get the news So you're, who's gonna watch c-span and is gonna watch these open hearings and form their own opinions that's gonna be tough to do especially with you said six weeks of this i mean let's be honest it's been eight twelve weeks so who knows you know are they gonna listen listen to rush limbaugh or rachel maddow and then they're gonna form the opinions on the summaries of the hearings So is anybody really gonna watch C-SPAN and form their own opinions on what's going on right now? And you see it in the impeachment numbers, they really haven't moved much. Um, You're still about anywhere from 50%, let's just say 50-50 is really where it's at right now.
1: And you know, where do you go from here? You already know how this is gonna turn out, right? It's one of those where you know the end of this novel to where if it gets through the house, unless there's some bombshell that comes out, the Senate's gonna vote it down on the first day and this thing's over, that leads us to next year into the election. I don't know that we're going to find anything Unusual here, surprising at
3: this point. No, I mean it's uh, style points at this point, and and who conducts themselves. Uh, I think the Democrats have a little something that to lose here if they are if they are perceived to be unfair uh, in the process, and so they're going to they're going to need to go out of their way politically to appear to be treating everybody fairly here. But I, it's not going to change many people's minds. And you're right, it's the Senate's going to you know take care of it and. Will be done.
1: And I know the defense for Democrats is, well, we still have to do our job. Even yeah. though this may not turn out the way some of us
0: want, we can't not do our job just because we know that the Senate is going to kill this Just Yes, it's a quicker process than I think what it would normally be. I mean, they're, they're looking on track to vote by Christmas. Um, I think it, that's a pretty hefty timeline with recess and Thanksgiving, and then you have your, your, your December recess of, at, after Christmas. So, Democrats want to get this done. Um, they want to be able to have an open process, check all the boxes, and let the Senate do what the Senate does. And let's go into 2020 and run a really great campaign.
1: Okay, a couple of big questions coming up this week. Several non traditional news outlets have given out the name of the whistleblower. We're not naming him, even though his name's all over the internet, because at this point, it's not the right thing to do unless we find otherwise. Okay, there are things, though, that we find troubling about his past connections, including what we now know about Russian meddling and how his private testimony actually came about. But we do know his attorney, and we are naming the attorney because of his past public statements. The attorney, Mark Zaid, wrote two years ago, Hashtag "#Coup has started, first of many steps. Hashtag #Rebellion Hashtag #Impeachment will follow ultimately." He later tweeted out, "I believe it was a couple months later that CNN is going to help with impeachment and bring this president down." You know Republicans are going to bring this up, that the whistleblower, even though we may not name him, had an attorney who had set this wheel in motion two years ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, they've been, they've been trying to get rid of Donald Trump since, you know, the day after he was elected, uh, long before he was even inaugurated. And there's been a concern. One of the things that, that makes this case seem less significant to people is that it's just, here's another, here we go again. You know, they've been, they've been trying to get rid of this president for going on four years now.
1: And I think you're right, because depending on where you get your news this coming week, you will either hear that we should call the whistleblower or we shouldn't, or we should call the Bidens. What do you think about that one? Republicans say that's fine. The Democrats aren't going to like this, but we're going to call the Bidens as witnesses because there are questions we want to ask Hunter Biden
0: and also Joe Biden. It's a complete distraction. I mean, it is it is absolutely ridiculous. It has nothing to do with the impeachment inquiry. I mean, if you really look at the facts of, of Joe Biden, it, first off, it was a Obama administration-led case. They wanted to t- oust the top prosecutor in Ukraine. And the reason they wanted to do that is because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't criminalizing corruption. That's what he wanted to do. That, I mean, so, like, it, it, you're distracting from impeachment and just yelling Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because they're talking points that the Drudge Report and, you know, Rush Limbaugh use on a day-to-day basis. I mean, people don't even know the really facts behind it. It's ridiculous. But this will give the Republicans the opportunity to call
1: in somebody in front of this committee sure. who's running for election. That's where it could get dicey for Democrats, right? Yeah,
3: and, and now the Democrats have to sign off on any witnesses that come in, which that's not going to be perceived as fair because, you know what, it's not fair. Well.
0: We won an election in 2018, and so, I mean, it is fair. I mean, we won the election, and I I would actually, you know, what would give me more joy than to impeach Donald Trump is let's beat him in 2020. Andrew Yang and a bunch of Democrats have been talking about this on the, on the campaign trail. We expect him to be at the ballot next November, and we want to beat him there. Let's beat him there. Speaking of that, a headline I wrote
1: four years ago, New York billionaire to run for presidency. <laughs> Well, guess what? The headline is back in the news. That's coming up on Hancock & Kelly, talking Michael Bloomberg. Also, Tulsi Gabbard may be running as a third-party candidate. Who would that hurt the most, President Trump or someone like Elizabeth Warren?
3: To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock & Kelly.
1: Well, Democrats had a pretty good week in some elections around the country. The race getting the most attention in Kentucky, where the Democrat appears to have edged down to victory. That's a state where President Trump won, what, three years ago by about 30 points. So, gentlemen, I know that Republicans also had some good, good, a good week in the South. Uh, the Kentucky race getting a lot of attention. You're up first on this one. Was well, that a big deal or not a big no, deal?
3: No, sure it's a big deal. Anytime you flip a governor's seat, it's a big deal. Uh, the, the African-American Republican who was running for attorney general in Kentucky won by 20 points the same night. Uh, we had a uh, Matt Bevan, the Republican governor. It was just not a very popular fellow in Kentucky. He's kind of a <laughs> jerk, <laughs> and uh, so that's part of it. But to ignore what's happening in, in the suburbs would be a mistake by Republicans. We are, we are seeing marked erosion in the suburbs. Bucks in Missouri t- as well. All, yeah. We lost yep. the state house seat here in, in West St. Louis County. Bucks County, Pennsylvania, one of the most Republican counties historically in the country. It's where Craig Berube has a house. Hmm. Uh, Bucks hmm. County, Pennsylvania, the Democrats swept it this, this last Tuesday. Uh, it, suburban erosion is a problem.
1: I don't. Well, and I don't know this. I'll leave it up to you. I don't know how much of this is people who are flipping from
0: Republican to Democrat, or if there is a dislike for President Trump in these. What do you think it might be? Uh, there's both, but I think the Kentucky election was very localized. It wasn't. I mean, Matt Bevin tried to bring in Donald Trump, brought him in the night before election. He ran ads against Donald Trump, but Andy Beshear stayed focused. He stayed focused on kitchen table issues, which are health care, jobs, and he won. He won coal country. I mean, he won a yeah. lot of counties. In coal country that went 60% for Donald Trump. So, if Democrats can stay focused like that, I, I think it's not only the suburbs, but I think we, we appeal to new places. When we say, we say St. Louis County, we won, we won in West St. Louis County. Um, it's been trending more blue. Uh, Claire McCaskill won it in her last election. Um, but I think you look at places like St. Charles County. I think that's the next place for Democrats. And I think it could be just as soon as 2020.
1: So, where are you moving next? <laughs> I'm fine <when> <laughs> Okay, haven't. good. Yeah. I was
0: going to say, I'm going to
1: be out in, I don't know where you're going to be I'm very next. i happy where I Osage am. Osage County next. I'm good. Oh, I like Osage County. It's good, good people out there. Yeah, yeah. that's my family. All right, a new poll from Quinnipiac shows a tight four-way race in Iowa for the Democratic presidential nomination. This is interesting. This, I brought this up for this reason all alone. Top tier, of course, Elizabeth Warren. She's at 20. Uh, Mayor Pete is at 19. Bernie Sanders is 17. Joe Biden has slipped all the way down to 15%. He's in fourth place. Yes, still very close here, but John, what, what four months ago, five months ago when we were first looking at these numbers, it was Joe Biden,
3: and then everybody else grouped down below. He slid way back. Yeah, in Biden's case. in real trouble here. Uh, they're having the fundraising issues, usually portend the, a lack of political success. And he's got, he's got fundraising issues. They're, I think the campaign is way too top-heavy uh, with advisors and senior-level people. It's part of the, exacerbating the money problem. He's not catching on. He's, he's having gaffes on the stump. His debate performances have been you know, less than stellar uh he's he's not wearing his age particularly well in this thing and you know he's probably the one person in that field that can beat Donald Trump but i don't know that he can make it
1: well there's one other person you're up on this one New York City mayor Michael Bloomberg may it, be on the verge of getting into the presidential race we'll see where it goes from here it could just be i don't know what it might be I heard you guys on the radio talking about that this week, and you wish that he would just put his money somewhere else.
0: Yeah, he spent a lot of money in the Virginia elections and had great success. So if he could do that, duplicate that in legislative districts across the country, it would be an amazing thing. Because we do have the 2020 census coming up, and that's where lines are going to be drawn, and we don't want them gerrymandered like the Republicans did after, in, in 2010.
1: You know, and the thing about Bloomberg is I don't know how much of Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders he pulls. He pulls from Joe Biden. Yeah, and because, so yeah, he might win against in the general, but he can't win the. His, I don't uh, his see. Primary. I
3: don't see how there's a lane for him here. Uh, you know, and the other thing, to Braxton's point, and you're right. You take you take uh, uh, the, who's the other millionaire in the race? Tom Steyer. Yeah, Steyer and Bloomberg. You know, those are two guys that are now spending money to promote themselves and to attack other Democrats. If you took those two billionaires and if they were focused in spending their money today, millions of dollars going after President Trump. Yeah. Uh, they would do the Democratic Party a much better favor. Than but
0: Russia. I also don't think Bloomberg takes away from Biden. Uh, Biden has I great so. support in the African-American community, and, and Bloomberg doesn't have a great relationship with them. I mean, he, he implemented stop and frisk in New York. Um, so I, I think he pulls more away from people like, uh, like a Mayor Pete. Um, I, I think that's who he, that's who he pulls from. But he still then loses to... I don't think he has a path forward, left. but also yeah, the, I mean, the caucus process is very weird. I mean, it's not like you go and do a secret ballot. You're there with a bunch of activists, and you can pull people from other sides. So we'll see, I mean, you'll see in Iowa, it's a very different process than what we see here in Missouri. Okay, because Elizabeth Warren is now at
1: the top of the ticket here, Joe Biden doubling down on her, claiming that she's out of touch with most Democrats, only appears to or appeals rather to the limousine liberals and the professor types. This week, Biden called her elitist, claims that she's focusing on the wrong issues if she wants to win over middle-class Democrats. We've talked about this numerous times, so I'll go to you first on this one. The Democratic Party that I knew that my grandpa was a part of and people like that, you know, those are old farmers. They don't really resonate with an Elizabeth Warren type here. That's who Biden, I think, is really targeting at this point. Yeah, it's Biden, his old-time Democrats who need to come out for him.
0: President. Biden does great with the Democratic base, which is African American voters and also older people. I mean, that that's that's who his base is. Elizabeth Warren's base is completely different. It's people 18 to 35 um, that are younger, but they also make less. Uh, you know, so she, so the limousine liberal attack, I don't. I don't know if that's quite accurate, um, but I do think, I mean, like we are seeing, you saw Joe Biden's numbers dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is on the rise. Now that she's at the top, expect more attacks. Um, you know, Joe Biden has been three months that he's just been attacked and attacked and attacked. Well, Elizabeth Warren, it might be her turn or Mayor Pete's turn. And we'll, we'll see those numbers change in the next 85 days. Yeah, John, here's what Biden said on this radio show on Sirius XM. He said, if you don't agree with Elizabeth
1: Warren, you must somehow be not a Democrat. You must somehow be corrupt. You must somehow not be as smart as she is. It's just an elitist attitude that is either my way or the highway. Uh, yeah, he's, he's preaching to the old-style Democrats here trying to get them right.
3: Well, more importantly, he's, he's engaging uh, Warren, which he has needed to do. If he's going to resurrect this campaign, he's going to have to take it to her, mm-hmm. and he's going to have to give voters a reason to reject her. Uh, and the, the one advantage that Biden does have in this, the core of the Democratic constituency is African Americans. It's not white, wealthy college professor, liberals, uh, and and the, the core numbers are with Joe Biden, so he may, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get there, but he's not a lost cause.
1: I'd right, still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, we're going to talk about all this speech that's out there. That's not real pleasant. Is it trickling down to our kids? Also, we're going to talk about school days and the max ex- mass exodus of Californians to more conservative states, all that coming up when I learn to talk
0: on Hancock <laughs> & Kelly.
1: All right, time for a little news potpourri today. This is going to get very interesting. So there's a story that came out this week at one of Donald Trump's rallies, and one of the lawmakers there said something that got my attention because a, super, a school principal actually talked to me about this. Roll this tape. And you know what our Democratic friends have done for him? Speaker Nancy Pelosi is trying to impeach him. disrespect, but
3: it must suck to be that dumb.
1: (laughs) All right, so when a school principal comes up to me and says, did you see that soundbite? And then tells me stories about how they're trying to to crack down on language in schools, but the kids see it in situations like this. He said it's incredibly difficult because kids think this is appropriate now.
3: How do you handle
1: something like that? Because that would have been so inappropriate a few years ago, now you don't even think anything of it.
3: Well, you don't in, in this political environment we're in. I mean, the way you deal with kids in that case is you use that as a teachable moment and say, kids, this is not the way we talk. It's not the way we talk in our family. Uh, but, you know, it, we have we've long since gone to a pretty bad place in terms of our political civility. And it's one of the reasons why people are turned off so much from Could politics. Be. It's one of the reasons why... The the emergence of the outsider, the the bomb thrower, the, the shake everything up. Mm. Uh, we've kind of done this to ourselves, by the way. We've allowed our political discourse to just you know.
1: So I told the principal. I said I often say that politics is a reflection of society. It is. So what you're seeing right now is what you've seen in society a long time. It's now being validated on camera, and so the kids see that and think, well, that's normal.
0: Yeah, but where are the that's people? Sad. Where are the people speaking up about this? I mean. You see this in pop culture. I remember when I was growing up in the 90s. I mean, it was, it was rap lyrics were the bad things. And it was honestly the Christian conservatives. It was the Howard Stearns of the world. They hated them. Um, the Christian conservatives are the ones now spewing this. Uh, I mean, John Kennedy is actually known for his one-liners. If you ever, if you ever get him in an interview, it's, he's actually pretty quite funny. Um, but it's, it, I, I mean, where are those people now that are speaking up? I mean, it, it's now, now it's become Trump's base, and he's the leader of it and, and saying it.
3: Did you, did you catch that, Brown? What's
0: that? Growing up in the 90s. <clears throat> yeah.
3: And I'm in my 90s. <laughs>
0: He's growing up
1: in the 90s. He had lost more elections before you were ever born than most people. Yeah, right? Yeah. All right, Tulsi Gabbard saw a bump in her campaign after an appearance on The View. She got a bump for a weird reason here because she went back and forth with Joe Bayer. This was the only video we could find in the system of her workout video, so I have no idea why we haven't covered more stories on Tulsi Gabbard. Maybe that's why she hasn't done as well. Okay, so full disclaimer. I didn't choose the video. That's all we had in the system. So go ahead and kill that video. Okay, so they, they said she's a plant. That she's doing things like this to, to infiltrate and then bring others down in the Democratic Party. That's, she's like, wait a second, I serve my country. So I don't know about her being a plant if, if she's doing all this, right? She
0: probably is a plant in all honesty. She, she supports the Syrian-backed Assad regime, which is something I don't think, you know, humanitarian support. Um, she's supported, which is backed also by Russia. Um, so let's not forget about that. She was also anti civil unions, not only gay marriage in the state of Hawaii um, when she was a state uh, legislator there. I mean, it, her campaign to me is so frustrating. It's and I'm frustrated that Hillary Clinton gave her validation and even talking about her. She just she needs to go away.
1: Well, because you have things like that, you put out a workout
3: video just yeah, before I you mean, run for.
1: I mean, that's. Maybe there is something to it, John. I have no
3: idea. Maybe I would have won if I had put out a workout video back <laughs> Maybe. in the day. Brown, uh, she's not running as a third-party candidate. Okay, and, yeah, so it's not going to not
1: happening. Happen. All right, three states losing more people than any other. One Illinois, we know that. Mostly due to people getting out of Chicago. New York is the next as people flee the high-tax state. And we just found out number three is California because of a number of reasons, including cost of living, social issues, and other factors. This got spun any number of ways this week. You know, they say, well, environmental issues like the wildfires, and you have all these other things. John, a lot of people are saying, well, we don't want these people from California move into our states and trying to change our culture. What's going on in all these liberal states? Well, with it, when,
3: you, when you, if you want less of something, you tax it. And so when you, when taxes are high, people with, that have means are going to flee uh, that advice. Why one of the reasons why Elizabeth Warren's goofy plan will never work. But uh, so that's part of it. The tax burden in all three of those states you mentioned is high and getting worse. Uh, and so, the money's going to go look at look at texas it's not losing population no income tax there florida right it's gaining population you look at causation it may, maybe it's taxes but i don't think it is it's climate i mean
0: california you see wildfires uh it's colder in chicago and it's cold in new york i mean who likes winter not me for that's for sure but i also think I mean, that that is why people are leaving they're moving to places that are warm i mean it's it's the same theory of uh high ice cream sales are higher uh when crime is higher well, no, it's crime is higher in the summer because that's when crimes are committed. I, that, that, that's the real reason is climate. All right, well, I don't agree with you guys on much of anything, but the warmth, I'm yeah, with yeah. you on that one. Man. It's, South time, Florida, to, I need it's that. time to find
1: some heat. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it's time for their final thoughts. Time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. Braxton Payne, you're up first today. What yeah, you
0: got? I just want to say happy Veterans Day. Veterans Day is tomorrow. Um, but also we want to think about it's not just one day. We want to honor them every day. Uh, average of 20 veterans a day commit suicide. So we want to think about them and make sure that we take care of our veterans because they took care of us.
3: All right. John Hancock. I couldn't, couldn't have said it any better. Veterans Day is a very important day. and You know, this is the first time really since Vietnam where we have so many returning from combat mm-hmm. uh, back into, into our country and trying to assimilate in with a myriad of mental health issues and everything else, not to mention the physical uh, issues that mm-hmm. uh, so many veterans have. So remember our veterans this week.
1: All right, again, if you missed any part of the show, you can download it right there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. are always good to see you. Appreciate you being here last couple of weeks. Box News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you back here next Sunday.